Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Repay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, I don't know what the stat is. I don't even care to look up the exact numbers, but I swear I, it feels like we are 99-0 and 0 when it comes to big games in Texas. Hell yeah, Eugene. It, it feels awesome on a victory Tuesday, on a Sunday game against one of the better teams in the country. This is what I get for being a pessimistic person that I am. You know, going down there with a hugely impressive win over the Longhorns and Shock Smart, who surprisingly has hair and it's very weird to look at him like that. <laughs> but, but Jay Wright's continued dominance through Texas, it's a thing of beauty. V's up, horns down. V's up, horns down. V's up, horns down. V's up, horns down. It was also great to see all the former alum and Wildcats going off on Twitter. I saw Pascal, Brunson, Ochefu, basically everybody pretty much over the last decade or so. They were all weighing in, and everyone was really hyped on this win. I totally forgot it was Football Sunday. Yeah, for the fr- I was uh, more focused on this than the 1 o'clock games, that's for sure. Go out there into their building and squeak out a win after a you know a pretty good bubbleville performance but we were still we saw a little bit of a sour taste in our mouths from the virginia tech game and they go out there and they you know look like a completely different team from what we saw a couple weeks ago it was amazing very well done we'll get to that in just a little bit but before we tackle that game just wanted to take a dive into the rankings and the polls new set came out yesterday afternoon and as you can imagine, after that big win, the pollsters, the voters, they viewed the Wildcats favorably again, putting them back in the top 10. We are now at number nine. Right next to Creighton, our good old Big East buddies over there in Omaha, they are now at number eight. So right next to each other, eight and nine. And I think that's it for the Big East. A couple in the receiving vote section, but no one else in the top 25. Yeah, just us and Creighton, it looks like, in the AP, if you want to venture over to the coaches' poll, which didn't have a poll last week for some reason. Uh, Villanova 6th and Creighton 7th, so even better in, on that side. But to your point with the Big East, yeah, a couple teams receiving votes. You got Marquette, UConn, and Xavier there. So uh, some, some representation. And Marquette had a pretty huge win over the weekend. You know, win is a very liberal term because uh, the referees decided to take a little bit of that game into their own hands. But, you know, that's okay. They had a very big win on their home court against a very good Wisconsin team. So Big East uh, had a pretty good weekend when it's all said and done. And ever since 2017, whatever the Badgers lose or whatever our Marquette friends can get a win over their blood rival over there in the cheese state and beer capital of the world or (laughs) the country, not the world, the country, the country. That's always good news. Always good news. It is. It is. Get a couple of, uh, you know, the opportunity to get a premier win in this uh, season is few and far between. So for them to get that for the conference is uh, pretty cool. Yeah. Anytime we can represent the Big East. I know there's no Gavit games this year, but, you know, just a nice, nice win. Nice little check mark. Big East over Big Ten. Take it. Boom. Set. Move forward. Now, Chris, the polls are nice. It's nice to be back in the top ten. But honestly, I just really want to talk about this win. This is up yeah. there. This is this is big. This was very big. There was a little bit of doubt after the Virginia Tech game. Getting a little restless in Bubbleville. Yeah, you beat Hartford, but you were expected to. This was kind of the true test to see where we were at this point in the season. Last game before Biggie's play starts up. And, wow, they rose to the occasion. This was a big boy win. Big game win. And, Chris, 
I don't even know where, where to begin. I mean, you go down there, you're on the road, still on the road. These guys have been on the road since God knows how long. They've been on ESPN <laughs> for yeah. God knows how long. We still know Fox Sports 1 games, even though that'll change. And they're in Texas. First, I thought they were pumping crowd noise in for the broadcast, but then I realized, wait a second, they wouldn't do that. And then you look over, and they got fans there. And then I'm sitting there thinking, those guys are everyone there. So lucky. I saw a couple of Wildcat fans there, too, which was nice. Yeah, it certainly was. Even the ESPN broadcast got a couple of guys uh, doing the horns down, which was uh, a nice sight to see. Texas had fans. They, they did, and I kind of expected that. It wasn't as many as I thought they would. They were scattered throughout. But, you know, to kind of go into that road environment, even though it's a very minimal road environment in terms of the fan sense, to go in there, hold off Texas is like, I don't know if it's their best effort, but, you know, between Ramey and Coleman going it was off. A pretty, it was a pretty damn good effort. It was pretty a pretty damn effort. good effort. It's, it's, it's up there. It was, an a, it was an A type effort for sure. I mean, Ramey was going off towards the end of the second half. Coleman was carrying them pretty much throughout the entire game before Ramey started taking over. Their forwards were bigger and better than I could have advertised them as, especially Kai Jones. My God, that man was a man on a mission. Even Brown, too, was, was going off inside and out like it was just I was just like oh man this this team is is really good and for them to go in there and win was a sight to behold I mean props all around I mean we'll go into the individual players but like JRE was fantastic uh Justin Moore was fantastic Cole Swider you know despite we'll we'll get into his individual game but despite all his defensive troubles hits probably the biggest shot of the game with the three towards the end of the game it it was just like everyone was contributing and that was that was nice yeah just looking at the box score real quick. Villanova won 68 to 64. Just in case you, you missed it, I don't know how. Biggest game all weekend. Forget football. You look at the Villanova side, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Justin Moore. Big boy games, 19 points apiece. JRE added eight boards. He was looking great in the paint inside, knocking down a couple mid-range Jays, just being a beast in the paint. And then you have Justin Moore carrying Villanova a little bit while they were struggling earlier in the game. He went six for nine on the floor. Then you look at the bench, Cole Swider, as you touched upon a little bit, eight points, three of nine on the floor, but he hit some big threes, especially late in the game with just under two minutes to go to give Villanova a lead right after a Courtney Ramey tray of his own. And then Jermaine Samuels, it might get slept on a little bit because, yeah, he missed some free throws. Yeah, he was two for seven on the floor. But this guy, eight points and 12 very big boards. We needed to rumble with those guys. We knew about the length. We knew about the size. We knew about the physicality that the Texas front court could provide. And little did we know, or I guess we should have expected it because we have <laughs> seen him rebound with the best of them. He's yeah. coming in there, four offensive rebounds, 12 rebounds in total, playing with a splint on his finger, broken finger, didn't practice, said no problem, took off the warm-up and went right to work. That's a big boy game. Caleb Daniels, a little quiet, slow game, but it happens. And then on the Texas side, Chris, Cordy Ramey. Wow. Uh, I kind of wish we had him. I kind of <laughs> wish we had him. You know, no offense to the other Nova guards. I don't, I don't look at it like that, but he, if we had him on top of everyone else, oh, Ooh, my God. That would be uh, very deadly. Just such a tough guy. I, I don't even know if Villanova revenge was on his mind. Maybe we played it up like 50 times too much, but I think a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah, we definitely did. But this guy was like a gamer the whole time, the whole oh, time. Yeah. And you knew he was going to go off when Villanova was trying to close it out. Like I, I, I wouldn't say that I thought the game was in, in the bag, like with like the last, within like the last four or three minutes or so, especially after that slider three. But Ramey was just not letting Villanova close it out in any shape or fashion. Like, Coleman, like, obviously carried them throughout, like, 95% in that game. But Ramey turned it up toward the end. And, like, he still contributed it before. So it was just like, of course, this guy's going to light us up now. And, like, I think you even said, like, oh, yeah, Corny Ramey's going to score, like, all his points in the second half last episode. And guess and I, it felt like he pretty much did. Yeah, I don't know if it was 95% split, but I, I know what you're saying. I think it was the both uh, yeah, of them. They I'm, were just – they were both trouble. 17 points apiece. Yeah. Lots of big guys inside. I mean, they they were just so deep. They had everything, Chris, and that defense was as advertised. It, it really was. Havoc was in full force. And but the, you know what? You know, I'll say it now. As good as that defense was for Texas, and as they tried to muck it up and play as great of a defensive game as they did, the ball movement 
in this game by Villanova was superb. Superb. There were some lapses, I'm not, for sure. It's a long basketball game. But compared to what we saw the first four games, it was night and day. Superb ball movement, making the extra pass, finding the open guy. Now, yes, they only shot 31 or 32% from beyond the arc, whatever. But I thought the ball movement was fantastic. It created a lot more open shots. And to see that against a tough defense like Texas, and I think they were number two coming in, according to Kempon, that was great. Yeah, early on, you already knew it was going to be a slugfest. Villanova raced out to a little bit of a lead. Not too big, but you, you felt good. You were starting to feel good. Then all of a sudden, Texas comes back with a huge run, takes the lead. Jay Wright burns two timeouts. Colin Gillespie in early foul trouble. And I'm starting to get a little worried. I'm yeah. starting to sit there thinking, oh, my God, please, please. Are we getting run out? Like, what, what is happening right now? Villanova stood tall, dug deep, fought right back, managed to take a very narrow lead at the end of the first half. And then from there, it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Holding on at the end was was huge. I mean, that Cody Ramey three, when he hit it to tie, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, here we, here we go. Texas, <laughs> Texas is uh, giving us a little bit of run of our money. But then when Cole Swider came back and drained that, that was huge. Big credit to that guy. Yep. And if you know what, if he's going to do that, like you'll take the growing pains on defense for, I wouldn't, I wouldn't and well, I don't know. I kind of catch myself saying that because it is frustrating watching him play defense a little bit, but then he gets a big shot like that. And it's like, eh, it's okay. Like it, it's, it's, he's so polarizing, <laughs> but he, he hits the big shots. And right now that's, you can't get mad at them. You can't because I'm not saying that, that shot didn't win the game, but it basically, it put Nova in the driver's seat. And to your point with that early lead for Texas, that, that showed some uh, stones on Villanova's side to come back from early. And like Jay Wright using those two quick timeouts, Colin got in foul trouble and the offense looked completely lost, which was very scary. Cause if that's going to be a theme from, for the rest of the season, uh, that's a problem, obviously. And, you know, Colin didn't do all that well. He three of 10 from the field, a couple of mid-range shots that were uh, a little ill-advertised, took a, a shot toward the end of the game where he kind of rushed, I felt like, but he did hit two threes. Two of his three made shots were threes. Hit, hit a couple of free, uh, key free throws at the end to ice the game, even though he did miss the front end of the one and one to kind of keep Texas in it. But, you know, it, his offensive game, like once he left, the whole offense fell apart. And that's when Texas took that big lead. And, I didn't think we were – it was danger zone time, as uh, Scott Ram told us back in uh, the Elite Eight in 2016 when we were there. But in the back of my mind, I was like, is this Ohio State again? Like, I was like, are we going to get run off the floor? <laughs> no. And I'm just no. like, please, can we not have this experience again? Like, first true road game and just get completely annihilated. But they put – Credit to Jay Wright. He put Gillespie in, risked it with two fouls. Colin played a smart game defensively to not get himself into further foul trouble. And the offense was able to kind of get going again. That was nice. That was like, you know, even if he's not going to hit the shots, as long as he can facilitate elsewhere, you know, that, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, no turnovers for Colin Gillespie, which was huge. And it looked like he was just grinding out there. That guy was throwing himself around, playing tough on both sides of the court. And I loved it. Yeah. I loved what I saw. He got elbowed in the face, and he apparently he was too close to get elbowed in the face. That's the second time, ref. Second time. Second time. <laughs> first, first, we'll let it go. All right, fine. You yeah. know, you look it up. Oh, okay. But second yeah. time, I don't know about that. Three strikes, you're out. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I know. But the, the refs were the refs. But Caleb Daniels, that he, had, he was in early foul trouble, and I believe two of them, I know for sure one, and the one I'm going to talk about pissed me off so much. He drives to the middle of the lane, and Coleman's like there shuffling his feet. And Caleb Daniels is a man-child. Like, he can bowl you over and destroy you. He is a big dude. Meanwhile, Matt Coleman, as great of a basketball player as he is, the dude's a shrink bean. He can go flying if you blew on him. Daniels lowers his shoulder a little bit, and, you know, you can call it offensive, I guess, and that's what they did. But, like, the man went flying, like, back toward, like, the hoop, like, by his bench. Like, come on. Like, you did not get hit that hard. Let's let's calm down. Oh, let's yeah, calm that's down. like um, back in the day when Angel Delgado, I'm just going to guess, he's probably, like, 250 pounds, and Chef's, like, backing <laughs> him up. And then, you know, the second time he backs him up, it's as if he just got, like, ran over by a truck. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. There's no reason for that. I, I always hate it when, when that happens. But I get it. it's part of the game. You know, it's part of the strategy, as LeBron says. It's not flopping. It's all strategy. Right. 
you know, and, and because of that, Daniels was able to get going like all game, which I kind of wanted to see more of him, obviously, but he, he just couldn't. Yeah, it was it was tough, but, you know, it happens. It happens. Hopefully he'll be able to bounce back in the future. I just want to say, got to credit Jay again. Big game. Yeah, okay, he let the bench players play against Hartford. But trusting the guys, once again, you got Slater, Swider, both out for 19 minutes apiece. Swider, obviously, we talked about how he hit that big three. Huge, huge shot. Yeah, the defense is still a work in progress, but if he's going to hit those, Chris, I know what you're trying to say. I'll take it. I'll take it any day. And then Slater it's, didn't really take too many shots, but mm-hmm. he was pretty tough and was a jitterbug on defense, which I like. Yeah, he, he was active. Part of me wishes he was more involved offensively, but we kind of seen his shortcomings on that side of the ball. So it's like, I don't know, maybe it's probably best. He defers. It, with Texas's defense, it, I don't think they were allowing – they weren't allowing much of anything to these guys unless they could create the shot or, you know, find the extra man on an open pass. So – that's pretty much that. And yeah, to, to your slider point, like it, I, I'm really going back and forth like, on it, like every game. It's like, oh, you know, there's Cole Swider getting put on skates by Matt Coleman. Like, great job. Like, well, how do we allow that to happen? And there's, oh, there goes Cole Swider trying to back down one of Texas's like four big forwards trying to do a, a hook shot and it gets absolutely stuffed at the rim. Like that was a genius move. But then he goes out there and hits the biggest shot of the game. So it's like, I don't know. You know what? We're completely like overlooking probably the biggest boy of the entire game. And that would be uh, Jeremiah Robinson. That man deserves all the accolades. That one time, I want to say it was Kai Jones. I forgot who was defending him at that moment. Where, but he's out in the corner. There's a little pump fake. Defender bites. And then he just blows right by him and finishes with a slam. That was that was cool. That was cool. It really was. All 19 it, points and eight rebounds of his was cool. You know, there's you, don't, you get very few guys that can do that. And for him to just drive the rim and have a big dunk like that. And just like, kind of like spearhead this team and like keep pushing them just when everything just kind of seemed really down, especially when they were down big, he was able to, you know, get some big boards, hit some big baskets and just work himself inside. He was a man child inside. He had his post moves were ridiculous off the charts and he was making these younger, although as big as these Texas forwards were, they're younger and they're maybe not as experienced outside of like Jericho Sims. And he took them to work. We almost had two big dunks in that game, though, Eugene. Jermaine Samuels almost had a rim rocker. I wanted, child, I wanted and... that one to go so bad. I forgot who was trying to draw the charge there. I want to say it was Coleman, but whoever that was, he almost ended his career right then and there. <laughs> yeah. It, when people say that's a poster, like, I probably would have gotten a poster of that. Like, someone definitely had to have gotten a picture of it, and I would have bought it immediately. I, I had the big game Jermaine tweet ready to go. I had GIFs ready to go <laughs> of the replay. It was it was going to be over for that man's career. I was going to make sure that no one in Texas forgot about it. Yeah, that would have been that would have been great. But you know, bricks it, and then he misses one of two. But you know, he, he again, the man was flying all over. There were a couple times he got out rebounded, but when you're grabbing twelve rebounds, four of the offensive variety, I cannot get mad at that performance. If you're you know as long as everyone else is picking up the offensive slack. Yeah, and he was playing with a splint on a shooting hand, which is very tough. Right. Very tough. Yeah. How did that even come about? They just said that was like a practice thing. Like, can we just stop practicing? Like, <laughs> like I, I know you got to practice, but can we stop practicing at the same time? Like, it's so, – Social distancing practicing, please. Like Six just... feet apart. Just keep everyone separate. <laughs> no falling on each other. No contact. Just nice and separate. I mean, really, that's – two injuries now in practice just this year you know going back obviously you had the colin gillespie concussion uh, the broken hand streak yeah that was that was tough the chef concussion the chef like, concussion yeah a lot a like, lot of concussion <laughs> broken hands let's petition to work in a or practice in a bubble wrap now the only way to go any any other key takeaways eugene i mean justin moore was obviously great he was big early on like i would say that that quick early lead that villanova built up was pretty much spearheaded by him right yeah kept kept us afloat early on when we were kind of struggling to find our footing especially once texas was able to regroup early yeah for sure for sure and and if you're just looking at the box score and you're just like you, let's just say you missed the game you're looking at a box score you're looking for something big nova took 19 free throws texas took six so like the ability to get to the line and was was pretty key oh watch out chris i'm sure there's a texas podcast somewhere that's like and look at the free throw disparity here. Uh, well, screw him. Who cares? But the thing is, like, 
honestly, it probably benefited Texas. They didn't go to the free throw line that much. Like if, as long as it wasn't Ramey or Coleman getting to the, uh, getting to the line, like all those other guys, they can't shoot free throws. Like Jericho Sims, I'm pretty sure it was in the fifties percent free throw shooter going in. So, yeah. He won one for, yeah. He won one for he, two. And then Kai Jones and Royce Ham both missed their free throw attempts. Right. How about Royce Ham? I think we kind of forgot to mention him, but like in 11 minutes, he was like all over the place grabbing, you know, five boards. Like he was very impressive for a limited time too. Yeah, he was, he was pretty big. I don't think we, we highlighted him too much. I know the ESPN broadcast loved Brock Cunningham. That guy was yeah, the blue guy. When they, when they pulled out the plus minus stat, I was like, I'm pretty sure this is the first time I've seen basketball analysts seriously use a plus minus stat to break down a player or highlight a player. Yep, and uh, he did absolutely nothing. So I was very happy about that. The other thing that was good, too, was Villanova. Only nine turnovers. Only nine. On the road. Tough game against a tough defense. Right, and and Texas was pressing initially, too. Or at least oh, yeah, it was also – Oh, thank you for bringing that up. I actually wanted to say – I oh, Actually, no, I don't want to jinx it. Never mind. <laughs> Just like last episode, you know. Yeah, me. I was about to say it. I was like – no, no, I can't. I can't. It's still early. Still too much. But, but you, we can still talk about that. They did break the press pretty well, and they sent the ball in from the it's baseline. <laughs> good, but I'm not going to call it what it was because I don't want to jinx it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're using up all our good carbon now, so that's okay. Also, I, I don't know if you were list if you had the volume on in the broadcast, and there's something that irked me. I don't know, like when Gillespie was out. He, they obviously had to defer to Justin Moore to bring the ball up. And, like, the announcers just – and, like, Frischel is great. Like, obviously, his son's on the staff. Yeah, he's <laughs> got all the inside scoops. He's got all the inside stuff. And I thought it was a great broadcast. Dan Schulman's a pro's pro. Like, I love that man as a commentator. He's fantastic. It just seemed like they just couldn't grasp the fact that Justin Moore was bringing the ball up. Like, uh, he's like an acquaint guard slash shooting guard. I'm just like, guy, why, why is this groundbreaking? Seemed a little off especially for two guys that know their stuff, but that's okay. That's uh, okay. Nice. okay, Chris. We'll, we'll, we sent them the View Hoops article. You know, they follow on Twitter. <laughs> they, they see it. They see it. I know. Commentators say stupid stuff all the time, just, just like I do. So I can But that was just like one other thing, you know, because it's an ESPN broadcast, Eugene. We got we to gotta bash it, you know. I can't bash it too much because so far they give us <laughs> more airtime than sports. <laughs> it's going to change soon, hopefully. Yeah, it is going to change. This Friday we got our first – Big East game against Georgetown. Villanova is now 4-1 and one after the big Texas win. Because the game's on Friday, we're going to preview it on Thursday. But, Chris, Big East time. A little earlier than expected, but such is life mm. in the Corona times. A little earlier. A little wish we uh, had a full slate of games, you know, going forward. Wish we had a full slate of games already played. But, hey, we'll take what we can get. Sitting at 4-1, and one, you got a big win over one of the better teams in the country in their house. Jeremiah Robinson Earl had a superb game on ESPN. Justin Moore continues to show how great of a player he is. It's a, it's amazing how we just switch tones just like that over over one game. Virginia Tech, you might as well have thought the world was caving in. And against Texas, you might as well think we already booked our tickets to the Final Four. So I know my I dad it. was. He was contacting me. He was like, <laughs> what do I have to do to, to get Final Four tickets? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't think, I don't think they're for sale. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know we're going to preview the game on Thursday. Mm -hmm. Did you see that Georgetown lost to Navy? I did not see that, but I did see they lost to someone good, and they gave them a closer game than I thought. Yeah, West Virginia. I think they were winning in half, too. Yes, they were. They were. But So they followed a loss to Navy by almost beating West Virginia. No Mac McClung. I don't even – we're we're going to have to look up who's on that team. Yeah, that's that's bad. You you can't lose to Navy. No. No. You can't do that. That's like – Losing to Columbia or something. Oh, who would do that? Who would, who would ever do that? Or, or losing a pen. Who loses a pen? Oof, no. Or Furman, even. Oh, what, what's a Furman? No. Furby? Kirby? Kirby? Furby? No, Furman? That's a college? Yeah, is that, well. Is that we'll, D1? We'll... Or... <laughs> Are we sure that game counted for the record? Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. In the meantime, I just want to pop open the mailbag and answer the questions that you, the listeners, have for us. A little bit of a shorter episode today. We're just gloating over the Texas episode, only good vibes only. And we got a good amount of mail, Chris. So are you ready? Let's do it. All right. First question from John Palme. 
Do the inconsistent moments of offensive excellence for Swider balance out those consistent moments of defensive lapses? <laughs> we, we touched upon this a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, I, I, I'm going back and forth with this, like, every possession, it seems. Like, you know, it's, you know, for every two possessions he gets torched on defense, he, it's a big shot. So, is it enough? As of now, yes, but it's very much subject to change. It's a fluid situation, as a, a lot of insiders would say. It's a fluid situation. Because, you know, he might go out there and have the game of his life, hit five threes and carry us to a victory, and then there might be a game where his defensive lapses just completely, you know, blow the game, and whoever he's guarding just eats us alive, and that's the end of it. So, as of now, yeah, you wouldn't, you'll you take it in a game like this where you just need that one shot, you know? I'll, so, say, I'll say it does balance it out. I'll take it. I'll take it. <sighs> You're I'll much more it. forgiving than I am. Well, you just look at it like this. Yeah, you know, he, he got beat up a little bit on Texas defensively. But if he doesn't hit that shot, do we still hang on for the win? No, probably not. And he also played very well against Hartford. He did. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you, you take it for this game. <laughs> yeah, but, but then, hopefully it steamrolls into something for the future. Like, that guy hit a clutch basket two minutes to go from three-point land against one of the toughest defenses in the country. If that doesn't give him confidence moving forward, oh, man. He got He needs to have that dead-eye shooter's mentality. And, Chris, you know it best. Shooter, shoot. Shooter, shoot, baby. Shooter, shoot, baby. And that's, that's the mentality he's got to go with. And now, I don't know how they – cover up his defensive inefficiencies. I think we're just going to have to live with it. I don't know if they try and cover it up. It's going to be tough sledding on that defensive side. But, you know, Jay, Jay does do that offensive-defensive subbing, maybe not through the whole game, but, like, in key situations. So he will give Swider the opportunity to shine in those moments. So hopefully we'll, we'll see him in more of those spots. Look, Chris, the saying isn't shooters play defense. It's shoot or shoot. It's shoot or shoot. It's shoot or shoot. <laughs> Look, I think I, I think they are they are very well aware of his defensive lapses and this and that. And yeah, I'm sure there are some systems in place to kind of cover him up a little bit or mask it a little bit. But at the end of the day, I mean Look, when he's trying on D, you see his teammates hyping him up, and that's what this guy needs. This guy just needs positive vibes only. Coming off the bench, six man, we need you to provide some energy, some big buckets, and that's exactly what he did. Hold, hold what you can on D. If you can knock down the three, we'll take it. All right. Fair enough. Next question from Chris Lane. Which style cowboy hat should Jay Wright wear for the rest of the season to honor his continued conquering of Texas? Is there a picture of Jay Wright in a cowboy hat? Like, is, is that – is there a reason for this? Like, was this question come out of nowhere or was there, like, a photo of it – of him in a cowboy hat? Because I would like to see that. I, I think Chris Lane just wants to know what kind of fashion choice Jay Wright would make if you were to wear a cowboy hat because he is the official governor of Texas now. Give him a nice 10-gallon hat or, like, an Abe Lincoln hat. With every win, it just grows taller. Yeah, you add an extra gallon for every <laughs> yeah. for every win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Doug Doug Dimidome style hat, Eugene. Yeah. Fairly odd parents. And then if we could get him in a Doug Dimidome hat singing the uh, Sandy Cheeks Texas song from SpongeBob, you know, that that would really it's make the year worth right it. There. Yeah. That would make my year. Yeah, 10-gallon hat plus one for every big one in Texas. And then aside from that, I could also see him in the Clint Eastwood cowboy hat from those old-fashioned westerns. Oh, the cool, the cool looking cowboy hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah, this like guy's from a, a fistful of dollars or good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah, I can see. That. Yeah, yeah. You know, this guy's a gangster. He's gonna, he's not here to mess around. He he, he traveled in from a, a long day on a horse. You know that type of hat. I don't know. I'm gonna have to do some research on cowboy hats. We're gonna have to do some research. See, see what see what comes up. <laughs> yeah, I just know the ten gallon hat. That's pretty much it. I I like it. You know. After every big win, just make it bigger. Next question is from Nick Durazio. Which of these two, Brian Antoine, Gamir Cosby Rountree, have the better chance to come back from injury and contribute since everything seems so hush-hush? Yeah, I know. After the Texas win, everybody wants to scoop. Like, wow, if we're getting these big wins now, what happens when these guys come back and how do they fit in the equation? And <laughs> so far, no update? 
Yeah, you're the insider, Gene. I'll, tr- I'll defer to you on that one. But if they were to come back, let's just say by some miracle, snap your fingers, they're all healthy again. Uh, who would come back and attrib- contribute more? That's a good question. I don't know. Who would you think? I, I would um, say Brian Antoine comes back first, but I feel like we need another big man up top or up front. So that's yeah. where Demir Kajirajri could help out. Yeah, I, I happen to agree. I mean, look, I would love to see Dixon play more, but, you know, it, he's going to be groomed in a little bit. He had a great game against Hartford. Texas, he struggled a little bit, not going to lie. But, you know, he got, he got seven minutes in, got some, you know, important minutes in in a big game. So, but I do agree that DCR coming back would be pretty huge for the, uh, just the rest, give some, give some minutes of rest to Robinson Earl and, and Samuels just to you know, just spell them a bit. You know, you don't have to put all that onus on Eric Dixon in his first year. Yeah. Now if Brian Antoine comes back and immediately flashes that five-star potential we heard so much about, I'll have that too. Oh yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. But I, I'd say, I'd say who has more potential to contribute. I'd say it's definitely Antoine. But like right now, I would probably want DCR back more. He's gonna be out for a while. It sounds. Oh, like I know, I know, I know. But it's, it's. Yeah, I know, I know. I understand that. But like I said, snap your fingers and they're back tomorrow. That's that's how I would go. All right, there you have it. Now we got a set of questions from our guy JQ Jared Quinn. He's got three questions. So Chris, we're gonna go with the first one. Can our offense function with Gillespie in foul trouble? I want to say it can. It just was a tough game for Caleb Daniels. Yeah. I want to see a situation. Not that I want to see Colin get in foul trouble, but I want to see them operate against the non-Texas defense. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I understand like, they're going to be facing tough teams throughout the year, but Georgetown's defense is a lot different than uh, Texas's defense. So, or St. John's see, defense. Or St. John's defense, or any other Big East team, really outside of maybe, I don't know, Creighton. But just I, I think it can, too. It was just a very obvious thing that once Colin went out against Texas, it was like, uh-oh, this, this, is, a, this is a problem. Let's, uh, let's get him back in there, even with the two fouls. But I, I do think it can because I, I think Daniels is going to step it up anyway. Like, it was just a bad – I wouldn't even say it was a bad game. It was just, you know, he just wasn't able to get going because of the foul trouble. But once – I think once the season gets going, they'll be perfectly. Yeah, just give it a little more time. Just give it a little more time. It definitely did look a little chaotic there, though, midway through that Texas game without Colin. Yeah, a little bit. Second question from Jerry Quinn. Why isn't Dixon getting more playing time? I think we ask that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it probably is for the sake of easing him in. And maybe Jay thought that, you know, big game against Texas, big forwards, blah, blah, blah. While he can't hang in with them, I think his perimeter defense or – you know, especially when, if he gets switched on to a guard out at the perimeter, is a little problematic. I would say that's his only deficiency so far right now. For sure. Yeah, I think Texas tried to exploit that a couple of times uh, with uh, getting some of the big guys up front to switch up to the top. But, yeah, hey, he had that one good defensive play where he uh, – I forget who was driving along the baseline. I think it was Coleman. And he was able to just stand his ground, force him to the uh, oh, force yeah. him to the baseline, he, yep. and I think he stepped out of bounds. Yeah, and force so, him out of bounds. That was nice. So I was like, oh, all right. See, flashes of potential there. You know, understanding your assignment and whatnot. But you know, underneath it was a little bit of a struggle. He had a couple of opportunities shooting uh, underneath the basket, wasn't able to convert. But uh, you know, I, I, I do agree with you, Eugene. I think it was just fear of getting switched on to the point where it would be exploited. And I just don't think they wanted to risk that. But I, I wish he would play a lot more. And I hopefully, hopefully during Biggie's play, we'll see that. Yeah, I would think that the Hartford game definitely showed why he should get more playing time. And, you know, maybe it was just kind of like a situational one-game thing against Texas. Maybe we'll see him more against Georgetown. At least that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, I'm leading that way too, but you never know. And Jerry's last question. Can we get an early grade on individual player performances after five games? Chris, let's run down the gauntlet. All right. All right. We are going to start with the starting five, and we're going to, bin, and we're going to begin with Colin Gillespie. Chris, what is your grade for Colin Gillespie? So I gave him a B because – and it's – I don't know. This, the grading system's tough because I, I, I kind of want to go – I think I'm kind of basing it off expectations here. So Colin hasn't played bad. But he hasn't played necessarily, you know, what he left off last year. He had a great game against Virginia Tech, 
didn't have the best game against Texas. His defense has been a little lackluster, and he's kind of hacked up a lot of uh, mid-range shots where I'm like, uh, yeah, we should uh, probably stop doing that, as I mentioned earlier. And he's missed a couple of bigger free throws towards end the games, front ends of one-on-ones that have kind of you know kept the other teams around. So that's why I'm docking him a little bit. I, he's been perfectly fine. I'm not saying he's been bad by any stretch of the imagination. It's just, you know, when you have such lofty expectations for him, it's kind of hard to live up to that. But, you know, I think he's been perfectly fine. I'd give him a B plus. I would say that he played obviously very well against Virginia Tech. That guy was a one-man wrecking crew for the first half of that game. The thing with him is he's taking care of the ball. He hasn't turned it over all that much, which is great. Defensively, there's like a couple of questions. He hit some big free throws against Texas. But overall, his shooting isn't exactly as efficient as, you know, I'd like. Like, for example, against BC, he was 5 for 16. But also, he dished out seven assists and had one turnover and finished with 15 points. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's like a give and take there. Like, yeah, you right. know, 1 for 6 from long range. 5 for 16 overall, not that great. But then he's contributing in other ways. He's giving you assists. He's not turning the ball over. Against Arizona State, it was kind of the similar deal where also dishing out assists. Didn't really shoot all that well. Virginia Tech shot great. Hartford was Hartford. Texas, he didn't shoot that great. But you could tell, you know, he provided the hustle plays. On the road, he didn't turn the ball over a single time. Gave out assists. So, I'd say overall a B plus. Yeah, with that Texas game, his value wasn't even so much the three-point shooting or just the scoring. scoring Yeah, it was just kind of like everything else. It was just the fact that he existed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because, yeah. As we mentioned earlier, the offense was uh, complete crap when he was out. So, so for that alone, it's it's worth a few. It's points. like weird. Like I could almost bump him up to an A minus because of that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but but I'll keep it at B plus for now. And next one, Justin Moore. So I have him at a B plus, but I, I think also A minus too. Like B plus A minus range. I mean, he's been fent- the Texas game is proof in and of itself of how good he's been. And, you know, yeah, he struggled against Virginia Tech, whatever. So did everybody else. So, but he's been playing great pretty much else uh, all over the place. But, you know, again, the defense, when we talked about it a couple episodes ago, the guards have been kind of getting blown off the ball a little bit on the dribble drives. But, you know, it's, that's, that can be approved upon. But other than that, he's been, he's been pretty fantastic. Yeah, Justin Moore has been great. He had a great 2K classic, I thought. He was just fantastic. And we also saw a side of him that we hadn't seen before where against an athletic Arizona State team, he was grabbing boards. Insane. Like a double-double. What do you have? 16 points, 12 rebounds. Mm -hmm. That was a cool side to see while shooting pretty well from beyond the arc and on the floor overall. Virginia Tech was a tough one. Texas was a great game. So far, just docking him a little bit for – Defense, but overall, I mean, you know, can't really complain about Justin Moore. He's been he's been pretty awesome so far. Mm-mm. Yeah, pretty good. JRE, Chris, with Jeremiah Robinson or losing an A, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> All right, I initially had him as an A minus, but I'm going to bump him up to an A now because you know what? I talked myself into it because, as I just said, he struggled a little bit against Virginia Tech. Sure, he came on later on, but struggled against Virginia Tech. Who cares? Everyone did, and I think it's time to start throwing that game out the window. After this win, so he's been uh, – he was the MVP of the 2K Classic. He was the MVP of this past game against Texas. He's uh, he's going to be a first-round pick, oh, maybe lottery if it keeps going this way. The, the dude's a stud. Just keep feeding him. Let him eat inside. And the three-point shooting will come, I guess. And he's hitting mid-range. So the dude's fantastic. I, I mean, I have no other words. <laughs> yeah, the three-point shots will eventually come, but you can tell that – improved mid-range jumper is so clean it's so nice to watch we definitely saw it in the 2k classic guy was phenomenal in both games there yeah the virginia tech game was a little rough but he really picked it up in the second half and late game could have shot better but you know everyone else could have shot better hartford game sure you might look at it and go oh we only had two points but he didn't really take too many shots he didn't really force the game he just kind of took what came his way and that was mm-hmm. 10 rebounds really texas against all those forwards against that front court you knew that they were going to try to key him in, try to lock him down, and they couldn't. No, they couldn't. And he was he was just saving himself, Eugene, for, for Texas during that Hartford game. He knew he had bigger bigger fish, fish to fry. Yeah, he was, he was ready to get out of the bubble. He was ready. He was ready. He was just looking forward to dinner in <laughs> Texas. 
Texas barbecue. And uh, <laughs> eating those Texas forwards alive. Next one from the starting five, Caleb Daniels. All right. So I said in like one of our first episodes of the season that I believed one of my hot takes was Caleb Daniels was going to be the team MVP. A little bit of a slow start to that campaign, but he's performed perfectly He's performed fine. He's gotten into foul trouble in a few games, which hasn't been the best for just just his the group, his groove and momentum in the game. I guess like obviously Texas is a great example of that, and I believe Hartford. I think he was out for like most of the first half too. So for that, I'm giving him a B minus. Look, is that a, I think I think that's a little too low. I'll admit. It just you know when I have such the expectations for him, it's a little I don't know it just hasn't been there yet, but it's, we're five games in. I'm not concerned in the slightest. Like if there's anyone on this list to improve the most, it's definitely him. Caleb Daniels, a minus in my eyes, a minus in my book. I think he's been great so far. Yeah. I'm going to dock him a little bit for the Texas game, but other than that, sizable guard, big boy, great defensively, solid offensively, just a, a smart, mature guy. And I can see that YJ trusts him a good amount, at least early on, for a newcomer. But the Texas game, make no mistake, I was a little upset to see some slander for Caleb Daniels in our comment section after <laughs> that game because I think that's, that's completely ludicrous. I think he'll bounce back moving forward, and hopefully he'll get a chance to do that, but A-minus in my eyes. All right, now I feel like a complete ass now. Oh, Chris, I have like a whole letter it's grade. Your, it's your grading, man. It's like, I know, it's like you I know, know, professors. There are lots of different professors. They look at different things. <laughs> I'm a whole letter grade below you. And I'm looking back on it. He was really good in that Virginia Tech game. He was great in the Virginia Tech game. <laughs> he was really down good. Down the stretch, they should have fed him right. more. He was really good. I know. I know. All right, fine. Screw it. B- bump him up to a B plus. B plus right. for Chris. B plus. B plus. B plus. B plus. Turned in some late assignments. And the last of the starting five, but definitely not least, big game Jermaine, Jermaine Samuels. Chris, you're great for Jermaine Samuels. Okay, I'm going to stick with the B minus on this. So he hasn't – he's been very passive the past few games. I mean, not the past few games, but so far. Hartford was the one game where I actually saw him attack the basket pretty much, and it was great. And Texas, he sort of did that, and he almost converted that big-time dunk, which, again, would have been freaking nuts. And you said something last episode, Eugene, that really resonated with me with Tremaine Samuels, and it's the fact that he's a fill-in-the-gaps type guy. You're not looking for him to light up the scoreboard. You're not looking for him – to stuff the stat sheet with points. You're looking for him to just rebound and cover up the deficiencies and wherever the game, wherever the team may have for that game. And he's done a fine job doing that. It's just that I just wish he would just be a little bit more aggressive on the offensive end. Like he hasn't eclipsed 10 points yet in a single game. So that's, I'm just a little concerned about the scoring, but he's rebounded great. And you know, for that, like, that's perfectly fine in my book. But just because he hasn't been able to score as much, I, I, I'm a little hesitant to give him anything above a B. Yeah, I think in his role, he's doing it well. He's kind of like a fill-in-the-gaps guy. Like, sure, it could be scoring one night, it could be rebounding another, it could be defending. It's just kind of wherever the tone and the nature of the game is. And as we saw against Texas, yeah, he only had a few points, but that guy was huge on the boards and excellent there, honestly. I'm giving him a B plus or a minus. I'm not 100% sure yet because, yeah, you know, he could score more or he could shoot a little bit more efficiently or this and that, but I think he's doing his job great. Like, I think he's doing his – he's filling his role perfectly, kind of that Swiss Army knife, kind of whatever you need, he can provide it. And and he's been doing it so far, especially with scores ahead of him like JRE, Gillespie, Moore, Daniels. I, I think he's doing a great job. And, you know, maybe it's a little contradictory of me to say, like, oh, like, I'm going to knock him for not scoring, even though I just said that it's not his role. But, you know, it, some of the shooting lines just are a little concerning. Like, against Virginia Tech, one of six. Texas, two of seven. Like, you know, it's one thing if he's, like, just not shooting and, like, doing everything else. It's another thing if he's, like, you know, taking some shots and missing. So that that's the only reason why. I, I think he's been perfectly fine. And, you know, I, I love him in the role he's in. I just want to see him just do a little bit more as a senior. That's all. All right, all right, I see what you're saying. Because we know we can, we know he can do that. Like, that's the thing. Like, we know he can put up points. That's true. We just need a big game, that's all. And now we move on to the bench, which 
I guess there's a little bit of a disclaimer here because it's kind of weird to give them grades just because minutes have been so wonky. But we'll start off with Cole Swider. Chris, uh, what, what would you give him? I guess everybody here could kind of be like an incomplete, but we'll, yeah. we'll go. We'll just, you know, based on what we've seen so far, what we've had, what would you say? Right. So I'm giving Cole a C right now. And it's just because I, it's just because the defense has just been so bad. And I know we, uh, we keep mentioning it, the big moment against Texas. And he's, he's, uh, he's actually shooting pretty well from three. I think he's around 40% right now, which is fantastic. If you keep that up for a whole season, I'll take it. But the defensive deficiencies have just been so blatant and so just bad, like really like eyesores on everything. It's just, it's just kind of hard to get past that. But again, if he's going to hit the threes, that's fine. But that's what a C is like a C grade is that's, you know, it's the good and the bad. It's literally right in the middle. It's average. So that's, that's where I'm kind of, that's where I'm going to put him. I'm giving Swider a B minus. I think uh, the defense has been kind of like the biggest, deterrent for me but right now the positives to look on is yeah he hit the big shot against texas but overall these last three games he's been starting to heat up a little bit from beyond the arc he was a little cold in the 2k classic where he went two for nine but over these last three games he's now seven of 14 so like i said if he can build on that confidence and hitting a clutch three in the late game situation hopefully gives him more confidence to pull the trigger a little bit more and we see some more of those shots go in moving forward but Keep an eye out on him. 7 of 14. I can see that grade move up as we move on later in the year. And then on to Brandon Slater. A very interesting case because that guy doesn't get enough minutes. And then right. against Hartford, he had a great game offensively, which is we hadn't seen yet. Career high. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go with a C minus to an incomplete. Like, it's really hard to grade him because, like, it's just so like, – he had the great game against Hartford, and that's why, like, I really don't want to give him a C minus. But then it's like, you know, he's not really doing much of anything else. But he did play scrappy, I guess is a good term, against Texas. But, you know, it's just – he hasn't really been out there that much to really kind of assess him. So – and I don't want to give him a C minus because he – so I'm going to go with an incomplete right now. If I had to grade him, I'll go, like, B minus or B – but, yeah, I mean, incomplete would be probably better just because he barely got to play against Virginia Tech and Arizona State. He did play 16 minutes against BC, only took one shot, and he made it for two points. Hartford was a bit of a coming-out party for him, career-high 13 points. Texas, we were hoping that, oh, man, maybe you can sneak in and add a couple more, or maybe Texas won't expect it. But he just wasn't too much on the offensive end. I think for him it's clear that he's kind of like the – energy defensive guy and so far in that capacity i think he's been okay just would love to see a little bit more on the offensive end so that's kind of why my grade is where it is and then i guess that kind of kind of leads into the next guy next eric dixon guy. who i'm not gonna lie i'm probably gonna be a little biased here i'm, I'm gonna give him a b plus <laughs> just because I, I love what i've seen but it's like he's he barely got into play but i'm gonna right. totally buy eric dixon stock so a little insider trading yeah, I guess if yeah, <laughs> if he was a stock, I would definitely buy buy high on it. I mean, he's only averaging about what eight minutes a game right now, but he was very impressive against Hartford. And yes, we just mentioned he struggled a little bit against Texas, so I'll give him a B to an incomplete right now for the role he's in. We can see the physicality. We can see, you know, what he can add that that imposing presence down low. It's just not enough. Not enough minutes. Not enough minutes for that man. Last but not least, Chris Archie Diakono. The human victory cigar. Oh, I would, I would, he's not bench mob. He's not bench mob. But I'll give him A plus because you can't can't give an Archie Diakono anything lower than that. Come on. No, no. Can't. Cannot. And he has a does he have an what's his assist to turnover ratio, Eugene? That is the true question. I think he's averaging one assist. He's one and oh. That's one and oh. Perfect. So he has a perfect assist to turnover ratio, and for that, he deserves an A plus. There you have it. Hope we answered your question, Jerry. Hope we answered your question. And Chris, next up in our mailbag might be our last. This is from Aaron, pub philosopher number one. Who's the most promising Nova player now in the NBA? Is that like potential-wise? Is that, you know, NBA career-wise? What, what like? That's a good question. I like it. I like it. If we're talking like straight up, like pick one player to win you a game, it's Pal Lowry right now. Right, you would be in agreement with that. Oh, well, yeah, I would say he's definitely yeah. the best and most accomplished in the NBA right now, yeah. 
for sure. But if you're going, you know, maybe you've got like a little bit of a fantasy draft. You want to, you know, build a team around someone. Like ceiling wise? I would say, I, I would say it's a three-way race between Mikhail, Dante, and Eric. Oh, for me, it's Eric Pascal. I mean, the guy was all rookie last year. He was. Got he was. My hometown guy. And he is your, he is your boy. Barry. He Dons is your Barry. boy. Represent. I don't know. I, I'd lean Dante right now, even though Milwaukee was going to ship him off to Sacramento. Yeah, even from, though Milwaukee kind of traded him, but then not. Then Vinnin. Like, just from, like, reading some Milwaukee Bucks stuff. Oh, like, well, they, they love him, though. They, they yeah, love the, him. Yeah, the, if you guys ever look at Brew Hoop or any of the Bucks Twitter, like, fan blogs, they love him. They, they really do. And I don't know. I guess I kind of bought that hype. Not and you know Eric probably had better on on court results last year. I don't know. I, I would say I'd probably go Dante and then Eric two and then Mikhail three. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the pod. You can do so at View Hoops or look for State of the Nova Nation. You can look us up on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Megaphone, Stitcher, Podbean. Chris, I think I got them all. I think you did this time, yes. 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 <laughs> Finally. Check back, check off, and onviewhoops.com. We're just continuing to roll out content. We got some biggies previews to put out. Brendan Riley just had his Monday musings, which two for two, and I really hope this continues because I love it. Some great takeaways from the Texas game. So check that out. Check back, check off, and follow View Hoops on social media. You can do so at view hoops that's good for twitter and instagram like our page on facebook and you can follow me eugene repay at erepay5 and i'm chris stanzio i got nothing to promote stay safe everybody Nomination. have a good tuesday still soaking in this win we'll be back at it on thursday with some biggie stuff and some look at the hoyas Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.